This episode of Child Like It Best with Mike Valdez is brought to you by Ugly Drinks. Ugly is a company that makes sparkling water with real fruit flavor. No sugar, no sweetener, nothing artificial. And with every purchase, a percentage goes to the Girl Up campaign. Ugly Drinks comes in delicious flavors like peach, lemon lime, cherry, and my personal favorite, watermelon. And guess what, Child Like It Best listeners? You can receive 10% off your first order by using the code UGLYMIKE at checkout. It's true. Usually calling me ugly would be offensive in real life, but at UglyDrinks.com, it'll save you money. Visit UglyDrinks.com and use the code UGLYMIKE to get 10% off your order. It's time to get real. It's time to get ugly. What's up, besties? This is episode 23 and me of Child Like It Best with Mike Valdez, and guess what? I'm still the second part of that title. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I will be at the Gamer Comic Expo. It's a gaming and comic convention that I'm going to be moderating a whole bunch of panels at, and that's going to be super fun. Also, really cool announcement, there's going to be a live Child Like It Best with Mike Valdez there. The guests are still to be determined, but as soon as I have all that situated, it will be on my Instagram at Mike Valdez or my Twitter at I am Mike Valdez. Also, all of the information will be at GamerComicExpo.com. You can also get tickets for it at GamerComicExpo.com. Also, if you don't have your Child Like It Best with Mike Valdez t-shirt, hoodie, any of your merch, make sure that you get it at TPublic.com. All you need to do is go to TPublic.com, search Child Like It Best, and you will be able to get all of your merch needs. I'll also have the link to all of the tickets as well as the merch below. This episode is my good buddy, Andy Oceans. Andy is an amazing musician as well as videographer and filmmaker for his company, Ripe Mango. This episode is really fun. We talk a lot about his childhood growing up as well as music and all the things that he's up to now. I really think that you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, please enjoy my buddy, Andy Ocean. Hey everybody, this is Child Like It Best with Mike Valdez. Hey guys, guess what? I'm Mike Valdez. And today, I have a very special guest with me, Andres Aponte. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what's up, dude? When you say it like that, I feel like my mom's like calling me because I did something Really? Wrong. Because I'm, ro- I'm rolling the R correctly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not something many people can do. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah, dude. Yeah. So... Before I get anything started, the thing we like to do here at Child Like It Best is we like to take a Flintstones vitamin. Now, the Flintstones vitamins were in my car, and on the drive here, they melted in the heat. Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) So we're going to have to skip that. That's okay, man. (laughs) But let me ask you the first question, which is, uh, go ahead and tell the listeners where you grew up. So I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has its ups and downs. Of course, yeah. Such a beautiful place going through such terrible things. Yes. But yeah, man, that's where I grew up. I lived there till I was 15 years old. Really? That's a lot of your formative years were there then. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Holy cow. And uh, when I was 15, my parents decided that we couldn't live in the country anymore because it was too dangerous. And uh, we ended up moving to North Carolina for a year uh, because of my dad's company and they sponsored him. Um, we got our green cards, we got everything. Then we moved to Miami after living in North Carolina for a year. Lived in Miami for about eight. I uh, went to high school, went to college, and then I moved to Seattle for three years. Yeah. And now I'm back in Florida, beautiful Orlando. Night in in Central Florida, yeah. So what kind of 
and and I know it's it's difficult. We were talking about this beforehand about how it's difficult for you to harken back sometimes. Yeah. But what what, what kind of kid would you say that you were in high school or in school? Like, who did you sit with at the lunch table? That kind of thing. So I was definitely a ref. Yeah. <laughs> That's our, I mean, yeah, man, I sat down with the Hispanic kids in high school. I yeah. was very, uh, I've always been very, like, a very anxious person. And sure. I've always been, like, very, like, uh, socially uncomfortable. I Most put, creatives are. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. put myself in, like, social situations enough, as, at least not as much as I should. But, yeah, man, I sat down with, like, the Hispanic kids and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it was like uh, it was nice because obviously coming from a Hispanic country. Yeah, I got to spend some time with Hispanic people again after living in North Carolina for a year. But yeah, man, that was fun. And uh, yeah, I think. So when you went home and stuff, what were the things that you were into? Like, were you uh, oh, were man. you just like a homebody? Were you a skateboard kid? Like, were you were you into sports a lot? Like that kind of thing. So I played baseball. Oh, yeah. Until I was 18 years old. Okay. Uh, I wanted to play college, but I wasn't like, I wasn't, I, I guess I wasn't as good. And uh, I had an injury where I got hit with a baseball in the face. Oh my um, gosh. And then um, I played a lot of guitar. Like yeah. that was it for me. Like I came, I, my life was literally go to school, get out of school as fast as I can. So I could come back home and learn like an August Burns Red song and do yeah. a cover of it and put it on YouTube. Nice. I actually have like, you can find those covers on YouTube. Really? Under Andy Oceans. Like, That's if you type awesome. Andy Oceans is like really old videos of me playing the guitar. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So what bands were inspiring you to do this, to play guitar? So, I mean, ABR was one of them, obviously. Yeah. Well, ABR came after the fact. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been playing guitar since I was nine years old. Yeah. And the band that actually got me into playing guitar was Sum 41. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause, Which album? Uh, All Killer No Filler. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. like Fat Lip and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in too yeah, deep. Exactly. yeah, yeah. That was only because on my 10th birthday uh, back in Venezuela, one of my friends gave me... Um, I guess I was playing like the classical guitar before, but like what really got me like into music, like, yo, I really got to do this was yeah. my friend gave me that CD when it first came out mm -hmm. when I was 10. So that was like 2002. And yeah, man, that album just like completely changed my life. Of I'm course. Telling you, like it turned me into like a total rock uh, rocker kid. And that was like my jam. Yeah. Sure. You, got, you started getting chain wallets. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Jayco wearing like the, the, the belts with like the little spikes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah that, I was definitely little pyramid spikes. Around. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those and the, mm -hmm. and the ball necklace. I like, never wore those. Yeah. I never did. It was always weird to see guys with balls around their neck. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh like, bro, God. what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you have balls around your neck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So Sum 41 was the start of it. But then what, once you got Sum 41, I figure that's when you started doing research into other bands, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, really into like pop punk. Uh, I was super into Sum 41. Uh, obviously discovered Blink-182 and yeah. like that was a big thing. And um, I listened to a lot of Metallica for some reason. Mm -hmm. When, you know, because this is the thing is like the listeners don't know this, but I know you from music. Like yeah. I know you from doing, you were in a bunch of bands yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And so what, when was your first band? My first band was called 
<laughs> last minute ticket oh it was when God. i was about 16 or 17 years old and we're like a total like like high school band of okay? course like yeah. we play like the high school festival or whatever nice watch, like the battle of the bands and we also did <laughs> that was one of our shows and the other show that we did did play, you play a skate park <laughs> honestly we played three shows one of them was at the high school yeah one of them was not at a skate park, but it was at a park. It okay. was like a, a park in Doral. Yeah. Like, you know, one of these events. Yeah. And the other one was one of our high school friends liked our covers. Because we all we played was covers. Like straight oh, wow. up. Like, <laughs> like, because like, I'm into the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the last show that we played was like one of our friends liked our band so much. He asked his, his mom if she could hire us for like $75. Oh, wow. And we played his birthday, uh, his birthday party. So that was a lot of fun. We peed uh, in a fountain <laughs> and we took a picture. That was fun. You took a picture of the pee or no, you no, peeing? of us peeing on the fountain. Yeah, yeah. You're like, that's the album cover, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Back then and it had, was. And it was. Yeah, because back then it had to be like a little raunchy. Yeah, exactly. 100%. That's so funny. Yeah. I always feel like everybody's first band always plays at like a skate park or a park. And that's like the kiss of death for or, a, or year, a birthday party. Or a birthday party. And <laughs> That's like that's like the kiss of death for your band because it's like you're yeah. you're not like playing anything <laughs> of substance, you yeah, know? Yeah, you've officially obliterated your chances of that band ever becoming big. Yeah. That's like, not necessarily true. Yeah, because POD plays in the skate park in the uh, a live video, so <laughs> Yeah. Or the Devil Wears Prada playing at a Ward Tour years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like in the parking lot, and now they're like one of the biggest yeah, bands in the that's scene. That's true. Yeah. When they, they hook their power to like the freaking dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, does this dirt got electricity? Let's check it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. yeah D devil wears prada is a great band man they yeah, were man. uh i was i got into them i want to say their first the plagues was that their album you know i've never been like the biggest like listener of the devil wears prada yeah, so yeah. i wouldn't know like any of the albums yeah yeah no they're they're super good though they're way better now than they I used was, to however, be i'll tell you I, I was watching their audio tree live yesterday yeah, yeah that real was good fire stuff. yeah yeah, yeah real good really stuff good. and their sour breath cover is really great as yeah, well yeah. they did play that actually on the yeah. audio tree yeah yeah that's a really good cover yeah audio tree does some really great videos for bands yeah for sure mm -hmm. so this is tough in a good way though because i feel like all the guests that i've had have been like predominantly american like they grew up in america during their formative years yeah and so a lot of these questions might be a little different for you because yeah. it was just a different place you yeah, know so yeah that kind of thing did you have any tv shows or cartoons or anything that you were into growing yeah up? absolutely i mean when i was little i watched a lot of obviously tom and jerry yeah of course uh a lot of the classics, I don't know, maybe some of your listeners will know, but I, I used to watch El Chavo del Ocho a lot. No, I don't know that. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. So it's a Mexican show. It's about like this community of people and they're always like arguing and like doing <laughs> like crazy shit. It's super funny, but they definitely, they have like their issues and like they're always fighting and like there's this like older lady that's in love with like this this older guy but the older guy doesn't want her it's really funny it's really funny the kids are always fighting yeah so i watch yeah. a lot of that a lot of tom and jerry uh power rangers obviously I yeah watch a lot of power rangers me too i was really into that show i mean that show was huge yeah it's kind of crazy 
Like I even went to uh to uh they they toured the Power Rangers toured and they did like an arena tour. Like I don't know if you ever heard about it or whatever, but it's just funny looking back at it now because yeah. it was just clearly like dancers in Power Ranger costumes, yeah, yeah. and then they would have <laughs> video footage it. of the actual Power Rangers only on the screens. <laughs> it totally didn't match. <laughs> it didn't match at all. Like the Red Ranger is like too skinny. Yeah. Like, and you're like, what is going on? Like the Black Ranger's a girl, clearly. <laughs> and you're like, what's going on? The Pink Ranger's like six. Five. Yeah, his her bulge was huge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Too much. <laughs> That's funny. Bro. Yeah. So, well, dude, what about? Because this is another thing too. Like, I I always talk about like what your favorite childhood snack was. So like Lunchables or like Gushers or things like that. Were you into stuff like that? I really really loved Nerds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Good the, stuff. The the big box mm-hmm. with like. Filled with like a bunch of nerds. I love that thing. Where did you get them? Because I only found them from the ice cream man. <laughs> and the ice cream man only came to the hood once a week. Because oh <laughs> I grew up in the hood, dude. Damn. Where did you grow up? I grew up in, in Hialeah, like in the 90s. So God, it was damn. it was like the hood hood. Damn. But. I loved it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. It made me the man I am today. Hialeah so, is a great place. Man. Yeah, it is a great place. And some croqueticas and yeah, some know, croqueticas. Cafecito. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah, they do. They definitely do have some great stuff. Just to go into our next bit, were you into cereal at all? Yes. Yeah. Honey bunches of oat all day. Yeah. I love that thing. Okay. Yes. From since, since I was a little kid up until now, I love that. Thing. That's your favorite. Like oh, you yeah. never you never deviate from anything. I mean, I'll have some Captain Crunch and ba- uh, like the berries one. Yeah, uh, yeah. That one's dope. Uh, Frosted Flakes, obviously. I loved Frosted Flakes. Of as a course, kid. bro. There was always something so funny about those Frosted Flakes commercials to me. Oh yeah, with because the tiger. It wasn't because of the tiger. It was always because the commercials were always kids like playing sports, like mm-hmm. doing like playing soccer or whatever, and then they would be like so tired, and then they'd be like, "Oh, thank God, a bowl of Frosted Flakes with milk." <laughs> <laughs> Who wants frosted flakes after they play soccer? Give me goddamn water! God, man, yeah. Like, I get it if it's like if it's like a Capri Sun commercial, but it just doesn't make any sense for yeah. frosted flakes. Yeah, you know? at some point in my childhood, I guess I, I like really stopped like eating cereal because yeah, I, yeah, I discovered that um, I don't really like wet grain. Like wet grain makes me throw up. Yeah. Everything makes me throw up, first of all. Like every time I have So let me tell you a story. Every time Please I have yes. I, every time I have to change my son's diaper, I have to grab one of my shirts and I have to spray it with mm-hmm. like uh cologne oh, and yeah. put it around my nose because I'll a, throw up. That's a that's a clutch move. Yeah, yeah. But I have to do it. It's my responsibility to <laughs> yeah. clean his, his his poop, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's a little it's a little awkward sometimes because I'll be like <laughs> But it's nothing I can't control. It's yeah, just like yeah. something that's been that way my whole life. But it started with um, with cereal and milk. And really? the cereal getting wet just made me gag. Yeah, I feel time. you. Yeah. You know, that reminds me, you were, te- you were telling that story about your son. That reminded me that uh, Kevin James has this really funny story about like how his, he was playing with his daughter when she was a little baby. And she sneezed in his mouth. And he like involuntarily just threw up on her face. <laughs> 
and oh, like, oh no! And like, his wife is like, "Why would you do that to your own flesh and blood?" He's like, "I couldn't help it. Like, there was nothing I could do." She yeah, sneezed exactly. in my face, and my reaction was to throw up. Yeah, it'll happen, man. I'm telling you, some of us are too weak, man. Like, whenever there's something too gross, yeah. So when when my dogs throw up, that's another one. Like, if if my dogs throw up, I'll be like, uh, Casey, Casey's my partner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, Casey. And she'll come to my rescue. Like she's cleaned my throw up before. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I mean, what a so, trooper. Yeah. So when I throw up, I can't even clean my own throw up because I'll throw up while I'm cleaning the throw up. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get nowhere. <laughs> I'll get nowhere ever <laughs> until I have nothing else in my stomach. So then I'll yeah. be like, just hurting myself the exactly, whole time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh my You're God. Like, I can't no more. That's, that's the lining of, my stomach <laughs> yeah. yeah it's real bad yeah, yeah. well in every episode of child like it best we like to review a cereal so i brought a cereal for you oh, and so okay. i have we have very I, I like to get a very specific cereal for my guest mm-hmm. in some way shape or form uh it, i wanted to do something with my guest in some way shape or form so i spoke with my sponsors at funco and now by sponsor i mean that i like them and i buy all their products <laughs> exactly. and by spoke to i mean i tweeted them repeatedly and they didn't get back to me so <laughs> so the cereal that i got for you okay is dun, dun, dun. Yeah. i got you funko xenomorph alien cereal oh my god okay <laughs> now the reason why go. the reason why i got this for you is because you're you're one for conspiracy theories yes 100 <laughs> and you're all about rating area 51 oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah yeah totally i didn't i, I didn't make it sorry yeah <laughs> You knew Ratsu ran the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Dude. I got too scared. You know, I showed up and I looked at it from far away and I saw the military and I was like, nope, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is the cereal I got for you. And it's awesome. It, it comes with a little alien toy as well. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you can give that to your son. Hell yeah. And like it comes with a little maze and everything. I'm pretty sure he won't be able to do that one. <laughs> to do the maze. <laughs> be like, hey, Oliver, here you go. You can finish this at four months old. You'd be superhuman. Yeah. So I'm going to open this box and I'm going to okay. pour some into my Reptar cereal bowl. Okay. I'll try to mic it as well. So all the ASMR weirdos can like loop it and make it their ringtone or whatever oh, the weird yeah. thing it is they do. Yeah. So give me just a moment here. You can have my uh, my Hispanic chewing in your ears <laughs> all day. Yeah. People love that. <laughs> so it would be fun to review this cereal, right? But what would be more fun is to review this cereal as the Xenomorph from Alien. That would be way more fun. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find some Alien music. Okay. And I'm going to play it. And then when you get a chance, I want you to do your best impression of an alien oh my review- gosh. reviewing that cereal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to get myself mentally prepared for this one. The good news is we don't know what aliens sound like. So they can sound like whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like a like an alien who learned English. Yes, okay. exactly. All that right. would be that would be sick. All right, cool. Here we go. Okay, <laughs> what's my name as an alien? Whatever you'd like it to be. You're the alien. I you am. Do whatever you want. Well, just because I have a lot of dogs. Well, I don't have a lot of dogs. I have two dogs that shed a lot. Mm-hmm. I will call myself the Furminator. The Furminator. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so I just come to Earth to clean your fur. <laughs> well, we're getting there. <laughs> Let's wait until the music starts. All go. right, whenever you're ready, Furminator. I am an Earth. <laughs> 
These humans have provided me with a cereal to try. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so ASMR. <laughs> yeah. This area. <laughs> no wonder these humans are all fat. <laughs> this area is still good. <laughs> Stupid humans. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if I take this to space, if all the aliens, oh wait, I have found, I have found a piece of cereal that looks like their leader, <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, please help me, I'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. This cereal, this American cereal tastes like nothing but freedom. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Furminator, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. That was great. Yeah, man, that cereal's amazing. Holy cow. If I was an alien coming to Earth and I tried this thing for the first time, damn. Yeah. Except for that Donald Trump one. Yeah, that I one, feel that like... That one's pretty gross. Yeah, I feel like... The thing is, though, just so the listener knows, the cereal looks nothing like Donald Trump because oh, no, it's, it's round all. and black. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it looks nothing like Donald Trump at all. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was the Furminator, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! So I want to move on to more current stuff because you've been involved in creating as far as photography, videography, a bunch of different things as as Andy Oceans and all that stuff, which is really funny to me because you were in a bunch of bands and that's how you got your name. And that's the only thing that stuck was your name because it sounds dope. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. What made you want to start doing photography and videography? The way I got started into photography and filmmaking, uh, when I was younger, I had a PlayStation that I traded for a camera. And um, it kind of just started from there. I just uh, took pictures with friends. And eventually, in college, I I started taking uh, color film photography classes. That's where I met my partner Mm -hmm. back, back in the day. And yeah, man, I used to take color was film this photography. All in, was this all in Florida? Yeah, yeah, this was in okay. Florida International University. Yeah. And um, I was under the instruction of our professor. Her, her name is uh, Peggy Nolan. She's mm-hmm. one of the best photographers out there, in my opinion. He, she's amazing. She's like freaking like 80-something years old, but she acts like she's like 15. It's crazy. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, we had really harsh critiques. And at the time, I didn't really understand what I was doing. And I didn't really understand all the things that she was telling me about art and all the things she was telling me about my colors and everything that she was telling me about storytelling through a photograph. And, um, and now as an adult, I finally understand those things. Mm-hmm. And I create art thinking back on my critiques. But that's how I started with with photography. Uh, once I graduated uh, college, I used to do a little bit of video. So yeah. I did a, a few like local music videos mm-hmm. here and there. Few events, you know, like when I first was starting out, you know. You even did one of mine, actually. 
I did. You did. I did. In you my saw. Garage. Yeah. 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 I watched that. Oh my god! I saw that thing. That was like that was like yeah, back yeah. in the day when yeah. we were just starting. Like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like what? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, man, that was a fun time, and yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I started, and then I moved to Seattle once I was finishing, once I was finished with college, once I graduated. Washington State being such a beautiful place, it just took my art to a different level. And I was doing a lot of uh, model portraits. Yeah. Um, I started out like kind of like raunchy. <laughs> sure. And then it, it developed into a more refined style where I would take beautiful portraits of beautiful women. Yeah. After that, um, I kind of realized that I wasn't really making any money doing portraits. So I started doing a lot more film work. And with film work... I guess it's always kind of been there since I started doing photography, but um, it really got serious when I was living in Seattle. I met somebody by the name of Jonathan Wolf. He okay. plays in a band called Vespera. Yeah. And um, he's, he's one of my best friends. We went to high school together. He's played bass for Falling in Reverse. He's played guitar for Slaves. Uh, and now he's like in his own project. He used to play with um, Dayshell. But yeah, I met him and through him, I was able to meet a bunch of other different people and get a bunch of other different kinds of gigs. Um, we traveled to So What Music Festival. We did a bunch of stuff for uh, Joey Sturgis for his line uh, called JST, which is a line of plugins. Yeah. And we just did a bunch of like artist endorsements and like videos with them and, and just like how the software works and all that stuff. And from there, you know, I filmed bands and I was, you know, very involved in the music industry. And it all ties back to music, really. Like, yeah, of course. Like music has really, um, being being a musician has really helped me connect with this kind of people. And making music videos is something that I'm really passionate about. So it, There's something about your style of videography that I would actually say would take a musician to make a video like that. Because exactly. there, is, there is a kind of musicianship to it yeah a little bit you Absolutely. know i agree one of the things that my 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 partner says is she thinks that i have an advantage by being a musician because i know where the cuts should happen i understand the lyrics i like read behind the lyrics i read the music i listen to the music and 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 you kind of get a feel for like what are we going to create like what kind of emotion yeah. does this music convey where are the cuts going to be and like all those things. Yeah, that's the thing that I've noticed about the things that you do. You make the kind of videos that I really appreciate where whether it's the mood or the storyline or whatever, it has to do with the song. It's not like just some random thing that it's like, oh, well, it's just people painting themselves. And it's yeah. like it has nothing to do with the song. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just like it has nothing, you know, yeah. uh, everything that you do always has a purpose yeah. to it. And whether it be mood, lighting or all of it, you know, or mood lighting and storyline, like no matter what it's, it always fits the band, fits the lyrics, that kind of thing. At the end of the day, when you're a filmmaker and you could just do this and it'll still be art yeah. and there's no fault. And, 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 you know, I used to do this. I used to just go out and just take photographs of like beautiful places of beautiful people. And, mm -hmm. and that's all I did. And I considered it art. But now that I've evolved as an artist, I see art in a different light. Sure. So uh, whenever I make a piece, I make a piece that has an intent and I make a piece that can emotionally connect with the viewer. And I think that's the biggest part of being a filmmaker, because you can have a very beautiful image 
But if that image doesn't have a motive behind it and it doesn't connect with the viewer in, at an emotional level, then it's not going to have the impact that you intended to. So before I work on a project, I usually sit down and I'm like, okay, so what's the purpose of this piece? Like, how are we going to make people feel? Like, what are people going to take away from this? Because at the end of the day, if you don't do those things, again, you're not going to catch the attention and you're not going to catch, you're, gonna, you're not going to retain people, I guess, yeah. would be the, the way to say it. Absolutely. And what would you say is your favorite thing that you've done so far? Like my favorite project? Yeah, which is tough to kind of ask, you know, because I feel like everything is kind of your baby, you know? Yeah. Every single project that I get involved with, I'm very picky with uh, with the clients that I get because I feel like if you don't enjoy the project, then you're not going to end up making a piece worth yeah, either that, being in your portfolio. Yeah, either that or, or a project where you feel like you might learn something. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that and, kind of thing too. Yeah, and then you, I feel like as artists, like sometimes we work on projects just because we need money. Of course. But if you don't vibe, like for example, with music videos, I feel like when I don't vibe with the music, I feel like I'm not doing the best that I could be doing. I'm still going to do my best to do a really good job. Yeah. But it is with those pieces that like I feel deeply connected with that I know that I can make something solid that's going to be like, wow, like, yeah, this is awesome. And it connects with the audience and it's perfect. But to answer your question, my favorite project that I have done is called The Boy Who Can't Stop Hurting Himself. It's a short documentary. Um, it was created by Barcroft Media. And I was able I was um I was honored to be like the director and the camera person for this yeah. project. Basically, it's about a boy who has a syndrome that's so rare. It's called Lesh Nihon syndrome. And basically what it is, it's it's cerebral palsy, but it's like a step further. Like they basically do not control their limbs. They cannot talk. Uh, they can talk. They learn how to talk. And sometimes you can understand what they're saying. But they have a really hard time doing anything. They cannot grab things. And the other thing is that because they cannot control their muscles, they hurt themselves and people around them. Mm. And it's so rare that nobody has ever, nobody has a found a cure. Nobody has created anything to help them out, like restraints and stuff. So this poor kid is tied to a wheelchair. And uh, they have to tie his arms and they have to tie his legs. They have to feed him through a tube directly through to his stomach because he cannot swallow. He'll wow. choke because he cannot control the muscles on his neck. Yeah. And that story really resonated with me. I spent two days with the family and... Um, that's really intense. And he was he was such a nice kid. Aside from the fact that he tried to punch me like twenty times, <laughs> but it's because it's because he cannot control what he does. Yeah, and he has a very tough life. And people who have Lesh Nihan syndrome are expected to leave to live nowhere past like twenty two uh, years years of age. And you know these kids like they're very grateful for their families because they depend on their family a hundred percent. Yeah to be alive, to eat, to go to the bathroom, to be clean, to anything, everything. Their entire house was designed for them. And their parents actually, because nobody has designed anything to help them out, their parents have taken the initiative to create devices to help him out, to restrain him and to, for example, like he bites his tongue a lot, so they have to put things in his mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, when he sleeps, they have to restrain him. But yeah, man, I think that was my favorite project just because like how it, how much it connected with me and how much it connected with the audience. Yeah, and I would assume that just doing that for as long as you did 
even even being with the family for a couple of days that you learned oh, yeah. so much oh yeah and the, the last day was actually uh, at night we went to the bowling alley and we hung out we played bowling and i filmed them and we hung out and uh once i was ready to leave he asked to give me a hug and that nice. completely i'm telling you man that hit yeah. me like a truck because he was like wow this kid goes through so much and he just asked a stranger myself to come give him a hug because he had a, a freaking good time with me. And yeah, that was yeah. really awesome to experience and to experience like all his friends in school playing basketball with him and doing things with him. That just connected with me in a really special way. Of course. And obviously not to mention that like my name's on that project and he has like 10 million views on YouTube. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, so it's on at a professional level. So, so it's on YouTube then? It is on YouTube. Okay. It's called The Boy Who Can't Stop Hurting Himself. Okay. And it's it's by a company called Barcroft Media. But you can find it anywhere. YouTube, it's on Daily Mail, it's on uh, BBC Inside Edition. I think it was on there. But yeah, I think that's one of the projects that I'm yeah, that's the most great. Proud of. I wanted to promote it so people could watch it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. it's it's a really it's a really good video, and uh, you know, just bringing awareness to like this disease. And there's so many diseases out there, uh, but I feel like this one in particular is just like so intense. Yeah, I actually have never heard of it till just now. Yeah, which I'm assuming is why the documentary was made. Yeah, yeah, you it's know, a because very it's... rare form of cere- cerebral palsy. Yeah. Basically, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, man. So kind of going on a little bit of a lighter note, what's a story that you can remember from being on set that just made you laugh, like a funny moment or something like that? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Because you're just all business, baby. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you something funny. Yeah, yeah. Please I'm not going to disclose the name of the company because you you, you can slander people. Yeah, of course. One time I was on set and we were at a boxing rink. And I was just meeting these people. And uh, I was the director of photography for this music video. And um, I grabbed a boxing glove (laughs) at the end of the shoot. And I punched the director in the arm. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And he was in so much pain. But I remember punching him, like, so lightly. And he was so upset about it that I thought (laughs) it was so funny. And I had just (laughs) met this guy, right? I never got called again. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, uh, flashing my butt on music video sets, that's always fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't do it all the time. I only do it if I'm doing projects with uh, close friends. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's always fun. Uh, um, yeah. I actually did a short documentary with a stripper okay. in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I remember part of the thing was like how like the things that she does while she's dancing. Yeah. And she actually, while she's dancing, she puts glitter on her butthole and then she farts and <laughs> glitter comes out of her butt. <laughs> so that, was, that was certainly hilarious. Um, <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. Bro, <laughs> I've never I haven't told this story on my podcast, but one of my first music videos that I ever did, I was cast in it and my agent didn't tell me what it was. They were just like, "Oh, you got the job, you know, whatever." So I went and I looked at the storyboards and this dude straight up looked like he was filming porn oh my god and so and then i looked at the storyboards and it just said sex in the bathroom 
And I was like, uh, what am I doing here? <laughs> and, so, and I'm like looking and like, and like part of the storyboards, like there's someone that like looks like me, you know, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and so apparently what it was, was it was, um, a UK like R and B singer and he had a song called sex in the bathroom. Right. And the premise of the video was that me and another character played nerds and he gave us this cologne called sex in the bathroom. And when you would spray it, the ladies would go crazy. Right. Oh, hell yeah. Which think about it. Why would anyone want a perfume called sex in the bathroom? It would taste like piss and semen. Like, like why would anyone want that? Sex in the bathroom sounds like, like, a, like, a, like a very smelly cologne. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of texture in that for sure. And so anyway, <laughs> so the the funniest part of the shoot was that we went out on uh we filmed it on Miami Beach so we were on uh Lincoln Road and he was in a McLaren because hip hop. Yeah. So of course. He's, he's in a McLaren and they're like, "All right, so he's going to throw the cologne bottle over the window as he's driving and then you're going to catch it." And I was like, "Okay, cool." We did this like four, five times and he just couldn't do it. He would throw it and like the glass would shatter. Did you guys break. have, you guys have multiple of them? I'm we, yeah, we had yeah. multiple. And also it's a McLaren. So it's like suicide doors. It's like almost impossible to yeah. do this. Like even if you're good at throwing, it's almost impossible. And I just, I remember going up to the director and I was like, Hey man, I might be out of turn by saying this, but maybe we can like throw it off frame and then we can just edit it to look like you threw it. And he goes, huh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> and I'm like, Did I just do your job? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> like, Give me that chair. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> that's funny. It was crazy. Yeah, dude. So, I, I want to get some music stories out there because you've been in so many bands. What are what are some fun like music memories that you have? I think the best uh, music memory I have, the funniest, either the or funniest the best. or just like the best, whichever you'd like. You I can think do that, both if you want. Yeah, I think that the best memory of like my early adulthood and being in bands was probably the Talent Farm. Oh yeah, yeah, and just like the energy that we had there, and just like. How amazing Kevin Burns was. Yeah, well, that and um, <laughs> and how amazing like our community was because mm-hmm. it didn't matter if you were doing like pop punk or like pop or or rock or metal. Like we played shows together all the time. Everyone knew each other. Yeah, everyone knew and each everyone other. Everyone was and friends. We were all brothers. Yeah. Like it was a brotherhood almost. I mean, I can tell you, I played shows at the Talent Farm probably like twice a week. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it, it was a very consistent. Well, you were day, also in yeah. a lot of other bands. I was in a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> Because you were like, you were in Sleeping Sunset for a while. Yeah. You were in, which is like a pop punk sounding yeah. kind of a band. Then you were in a metal band as yeah. well. That was real heavy. Yeah, the like, post hardcore. I, yeah. I, I did quite a few things. And and sometimes you were just moshing. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes was just... I was just throwing some hands in the pit, bro. Uh, but yeah, that was certainly a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But I think probably the funniest memory I have of like music and being surrounded by musicians was being at Denny's and yeah, it's Miami, one of my favorite moments ever. Miami Lakes. <laughs> and uh this kid picking up the phone, I'm not gonna disclose the name because you know, 
And you were there. Of course I was. <laughs> Manny was there. And just for the audience, I guess we'll say, uh, this kid picks up this, the phone and he says, what, what is it? He had a conversation with somebody and then he called him Kinky Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Kinky Chris, dude, I have honestly, there's... I have never laughed so hard in my life. I think that's the most I've ever laughed. I was like, well, it just because <laughs> this poor guy. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Wait, he hung up the phone. And then we we're like, yo, who was that? And then he was like, oh, it's my friend, Kinky Chris. And we were like, and we were like who is Kinky Chris? Yeah. <laughs> is that a woman named Chris? <laughs> she really kinky? No, that's my boy, bro. <laughs> what the heck? And he's like, uh, and no, it got worse because I'm almost... 100% sure. I might be wrong, but I'm almost sure he was like, no, we met on ChristianMingle.com. I was like, Some you met a like guy that. named Kinky Chris Hell on yeah, ChristianMingle.com? Kinky Chris. <laughs> like, what is going on, dude? That's nice, bro. <laughs> bro, some of the funniest moments ever are always after a show at Denny's. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's always yeah. some of the best stuff. One of my favorite memories with you being in Sleeping Sunset was when they played at this real big church and they like they were like filming you and everything mm -hmm. it was so sick yeah that was fun that's one of the biggest shows i've ever played bro now. it's def like those kids weren't ready for how much energy you had oh yeah <laughs> like there was one point before a breakdown where you were like i'll never forget it dude i'm getting chills right now <laughs> it was so sick <laughs> you were like i want everybody in this room jumping and you're like -da -ba -ba -da -da, and everyone is just jumping it was the sickest moment i've ever seen oh yeah dude <laughs> That was fun, man. Back in the day when we were doing those shows. It yeah. Was definitely some of the fondest memories of my life. For sure. It was, a, it was a good time. Let's look into the future a little bit. What's something that you want to do with the Andy Oceans brand? Yeah, so I, I've kind of been struggling a little bit with uh, trying to find my place within the film industry and just trying to figure out who I am and what I do. I spend the majority, and I'm going to talk a little bit of the past because it relates to the future. Of course. Um, I spend the majority of the past two years filming weddings, and I have filmed over 53 weddings at this point. Wow. People and, get married, dude. Yeah, man. People get married. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we're talking like each one of those weddings was like 10-hour shoots where I would wow. be on my feet all the time. Nothing like a movie set because you're, you're in a film set, music video, narrative, like anything, and there's a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of like, okay, let's set up the camera. Let's do this. Let's do that. But weddings, it was just go, 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 go all day and then come back home, edit them, then deliver them. And just, it was quite a process that I was not necessarily fulfilled by. It was just a way to make money because yeah, of course. as we were talking when you first got to the house, yeah. uh, it's really hard finding the middle ground between being a creative and making money and feeding your family. Of course. But yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. And uh, I came to, I came to a point where I decided I'm not going to do weddings anymore because it's not fulfilling me as an artist. And there's other, other ways for me to make money, like making music videos for artists or like trying to get hired as a director of photography and all these things. One of the biggest hurdles for me right now is that I, I am 100% a music video director. That's almost the entirety of my portfolio. Yeah. So going into the future, I decided I'm not going to do weddings no more. And I'm going to focus on what I really love. And I'm going to try to make the best of it because we only really have one life. Yeah, of course. And if you're not doing what makes you happy then what are you doing? You're yeah. not doing anything. So 
into the future, I guess, huh? how long? Five years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I see myself continuing to direct music videos, narrative music videos, where I can create emotional stories, pe- stories that people can connect to. And I see myself creating films. Like, I really want to be a part of the film industry. I want to be a director of photography. I want to be involved with coloring and, and all these aspects of film. And I want to make stories because I feel like nowadays there's so many pieces that come out and I feel like I'm not connecting with them. I feel like there's all these movies and it's kind of like a hit and miss, mm-hmm. hit or miss. Yeah. I mean, with the democratization of, of media, there's media everywhere. And I mean, no offense, but it's not, not all of it is good. Of course. Not all of it is engaging. It's impossible if there's so much of it. Yeah. So for the past and for the past two years, I have really been dreaming of making short films. I have never taken the leap because I am afraid as an artist of creating something that people are not going to connect with. Sure. So for the past three years, I've been brainstorming. I've been learning. I have this book right here. It's called uh, Writing Short Films. Mm-hmm. I've been reading this so I can learn about how to connect with an audience, how to structure a film, how to come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, recently learned about Das Harmon's story guide, Story Circle, and it's an eight-step story circle where the where the character will begin at a place of comfort go through an issue he's looking for something and there's hurdles and then there's a climax where you know there's an antagonist or whatever it is that you want to do i mean it it really depends there's many many ways and this is not 100 percent the way but eventually the person pays the price for it and they return to that place of comfort yeah and that's just one of the the tools that i've been utilizing to try to come up with ideas and i've tried to come up with so many ideas and as i told you earlier it's really difficult to create things that are very socially responsible and that and i believe that that's something that as an artist you have to take into account of course especially with the world moving forward and being more progressive you know there's a lot of snowflakes as trump likes to call it and Mm -hmm. I, i i don't I don't see myself as a person of the left or the right. I'm I'm a free thinker. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I also believe that, you know, you have to be socially responsible, especially of today. Course. Like there's, you know, you can, you can, and in comedy, I mean, you do comedy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, comedians can be raunchy sometimes. Of course. And, but, but it's because that's the style. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter in that group, mm-hmm. I believe. Like I, I watch like, for example, like the new Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Started. You know, and people have been slamming it and some people have been saying, no, I love it. And, you know, Dave Chappelle wasn't very socially responsible when he made that, right. <laughs> um, which is fine. I believe it's fine. Yeah. You know, I just think that in today's day and age, you do have to be socially responsible when you're creating or at least if you're going to create something that is sensitive to a group, mm-hmm. um, you have to have a director that understands the story yeah and a writer that understands the story for example i was thinking about creating something about suicide and how to bring awareness to suicide but guess what I, i've never i mean i've had friends who have committed suicide yeah same and, here and you know one in one's own head i mean I, i've had suicidal thoughts in the yeah, past but I, you know i i don't i don't think that i would be the right person to write to write a story about suicide because i've never it's never been that intense for me so i i, I think that somebody who's 
been through the experience of attempting it and coming out the other side, you know, coming out alive yeah. is, is what I mean. Yeah. Um, that person would be most fitting to write a story of that sort. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. That and does that, make and sense. And that goes, that goes for anything. Yeah. Gay people, injustice in the Middle East, like mm-hmm. child trafficking, like all those things. I'll give you an example of a show that I believe is not socially responsible. 13 Reasons Why. Sure. I don't believe that show is socially responsible. Yeah. I believe that you cannot, you cannot display on television, you cannot display rape on television so vividly. Yeah. Because that triggers people who have been victims of rape. You right. can imply it, you know, behind closed doors or like do things like that, like little tricks in film that you can do. But they decided not to do that. They decided to go the extra mile and, and, and you know, and do it that way. And I personally believe that, you know, it's not back to to social responsibility. It's not it's not socially responsible. You're you're doing something that 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 triggers other people. Yeah. I agree with you because actually when I, when I was first watching that show, I saw the first season and I really enjoyed it. And then until the the end of the, yeah, the thing with, the thing with me is that sometimes it takes me a little bit to like, think about it and then really be like, Oh, I actually like this thing or I don't like this thing. And it wasn't until like a couple of days later after thinking about it, where I was like, I just thought exactly what you thought. Like at the end of the day, it just is socially irresponsible to do this because at the end of the day, the main target is kids for this. Yeah. You know, or kids in high school, like that kind of thing. And there's just elements in it where it's just too it's much. Too much for it's them. too much. And it's even too much for adults, man. I mean, the you- thing is though, and I get it. This is the thing to, to give them, a point, I'll say, I understand why they did it because parents don't want to talk to their kids about that stuff. But I will ding the parents because it is your responsibility to, to talk, talk to about, these things. about these things. You know yes, what I mean? 100%. Because that's the world. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. And, and it's going to be awkward, but yeah. that's the world. Yeah. You know, like you just have to do it. And I completely agree with you. If they had done, if they had done little camera tricks and just like in a way where good, healthy questions could be asked. Like the hands. Like it would have been perfect. Show the hands. Show yeah. the hands. Show... Or like a slow cutaway. Anything could have worked, you know? Yeah. And I just... The I, mood for the... Like, the show wasn't struggling in having a mood. You know what I mean? Like, I would have known that something was happening if I hadn't seen it. You know what I mean? You stupid humans. <laughs> Goddamn humans. He's just turning into Cartman now. <laughs> <laughs> The Furminator. Actually, it's really funny that I called it the Furminator because we just got a Roomba back from my dad came from Seattle. He brought it for us and yeah. I, I had to reset it up on, on my phone. <laughs> the name I gave it was the Furminator because we have so much dog hair. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. So where can people find you online? Where can people find Andy Oceans, all that stuff? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Andy Oceans. And you can find my website is uh, andyoceans.com. Pretty simple. And all your work is there, right? Like all your- Most of my work. Okay. So definitely visit that. And for me, you can find me on Instagram at Mike Valdez, on Twitter at I am Mike Valdez. You can go to whoismikevaldez.com to find out the answer to that question. And- 
That is it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been an episode. Thank you so much for doing this. Andy. Thank you, bro. This Thank you so, for having me, dude. This was That's so much sick. fun. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. This was super fun, Andy. So yeah, tell your friends and family so we can grow this, uh, so we can grow this family, Hell you yeah. know? And, uh, Thank you so much for listening. Bye, besties. 